Welcome to Your Gal Friday, a podcast about female leaders, innovators, and rule breakers. Each week, your hosts, Kate and Phoebe, will shine a spotlight on an amazing gal and talk about what we can all learn from her. Brought to you by Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Welcome to Your Gal Friday. I'm Kate Chaplin. And I'm Phoebe Freer. Today we are talking about a gal who is so fearless in a time when women, African Americans, and Native Americans were banned from learning how to fly, and she did. In her own words, she said, refuse to accept no for an answer. So with nail-biting, barnstorming, aerial stunt performances, this gal kept you on the edge of your seat. An inspiration to many, including astronauts, this gal used the airplane to promote equal rights and civil rights. Today, we're going to talk about the life and legacy of your gal, Bessie Coleman. I am so excited about uh, Bessie Coleman. She is another gal, though, that I never really heard of before this. And to be quite honest, when I first learned that she was a pilot, I was kind of afraid I wouldn't really find a connection with her or find her life as interesting to me because it didn't seem quite at first that she had the creative side. And I'm very creative and, and flying is seemed like a very technical thing to me. But... I was really, right. yeah, I was really wrong, though. I connected with Coleman, with, I connected with Bessie instantly. Um, Bessie was a joy to learn about, and I'm really excited to share with the viewers what we've learned. And yeah, I was just really surprised, and I'm really excited. So how did you first hear about her, Kate? I learned about Bessie, actually, from a subscription box service. Uh, they were a sponsor of a Gales Guide event uh, last September, and it's called Girls Can Crate. So, you know, like uh, my geekiness, I also have a loot crate, but I love Girls Can Crate. They're a monthly box that celebrate fearless women that make the world a better place. Now, it's designed for girls ages four to eight, which is the age group of my youngest daughter. Um, but if you like education and crafty stuff, it's actually great for any age. I highly recommend it. Uh, Girls Can Crate donated three Bessie Coleman crates for our event, uh, for our fundraiser, and I bought one for my youngest daughter, and she absolutely loved it. She, It came with an old-fashioned leather-looking helmet and goggles, just like Bessie wore. It also had an activity book about her, crafts and games. We made different kinds of wood airplanes, and we flew them through obstacles, and I just loved it, and my daughter loved it, and we learned about Bessie together, and it was fantastic. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Amazing, and I'm kind of jealous I'm not between the ages of four and eight right now. I would still say pick up a crate because it is amazing the gals that they cover. Um, and I love them. I learn a lot about them. I think when we first started our brainstorming list, every crate that I got from them, That's awesome. <laughs> the ladies were on our list. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I know where to start. Yeah, exactly. We got a nice starting point. <laughs> and then we had a whole bunch of names to add into that later, which I'm super excited oh, yeah. about. Oh, yeah. So many. So when was Bessie born and where did she grow up? Well, Bessie Coleman was born in 1893 in Atlanta, Texas. She had 12 brothers and sisters, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Her mother was African-American and her father was part African-American and part Native American. And it was actually more dangerous to live in Texas at the time as a Native American than it was as an African-American. So Bessie had the odds kind of stacked against her. Um, where she was both of those things, plus she was a woman. So when Bessie was two, her family moved to Waxahachie, Texas. Her parents were sharecroppers, meaning a landowner that allows a tenant to use the land in return for a share of the crops 
um, produced on their portion of the land. So Bessie and her siblings helped as much as they could on, on the farm and so that the family could get by. Um, they all helped pick cotton in the growing season and between school and other work, and they did other things around the farm and everything. Bessie completed all eight grades of grade school at age 12, and she was accepted into the Missionary Baptist Church School on, with a scholarship. When she turned 18, she took her savings and enrolled in Oklahoma Colored Agricultural Normal University, which is a long name, and it's probably why they shorten it to Langston University. <laughs> Which I have totally heard of Langston oh, totally. University. Me too. Yes. <laughs> Which is, of course, in Langston, Oklahoma. So she actually completed one term there before her money ran out and then she had to go back home. Ah. Now, when she was 23, she moved to Chicago to live with her older brothers. Her brother, Walter, worked on a train as actually the prestigious job of a Pullman porter. Her older brother, John, moved around from job to job. Uh, Bessie went to the E. Burnham School of Beauty Culture and got a job as a manicurist. Within a year, she was actually known as the fastest and best manicurist in black Chicago. She worked at the White Sox Barbershop that was owned by the trainer of the Chicago American League Baseball Club. When America entered World War I, both of Bessie's brothers went to Europe as part of Illinois' all-black 8th Army National Guard. When they came back, they told her about how women had more opportunities in France, including learning to fly. Now, Bessie had been reading about World War I pilots and their missions in the newspapers and in magazines, and her brother teased her that she would never learn to fly, and that was enough to light a fire, and I love that. I love that, too. It's adorable, it and it sounds just like both it of does. us, actually. It really does. As soon as somebody's like, nah, you can't do that, I'm like, you know what? Watch me. Like, The quickest way to get me to do something is to tell me that right. I can't. exactly. <laughs> Same. That rebellious spirit that we share with yep. Bessie. Uh, so she applied to the American flight schools, but she was rejected because she was black and because she was a woman. Now, Phoebe, you actually researched aviation at this time, mm-hmm. at the time that Bessie wanted to fly. So how many were in the skies at this time in history? There wasn't tons at this point because she kind of got into it really early on. So as we mentioned, Bessie was born in 1893. Well, the Wright brothers didn't have their first successful flight until 1903, when Bessie was just 10 years old. So before even that, there were just hot air balloons and that had successful flights, which is super cool. But there were no airplanes before that. It was hot air balloons. The first free, or in other words, non-tethered human flight on a hot air balloon took place on November 21st, 1783. Now, the Wright brothers' first powered test flight happened on the 121st anniversary of the first test flight, that of the hot air balloon. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I thought that was pretty cool, too. So the first test flight of the hot air balloon was in 1782, and then um, the first successful airplane flight was in 1893. There's this huge gap, but it's really cool that they still correlate together with the aviation type. Yeah, they kind of shadow each other, basically. Yeah, exactly. So in 1909, only six years after the Wright's flight, a French woman became the first woman pilot. Then, two years later, Harriet Quimby became the first licensed American female pilot. Her license was administered by the Aero Club of America. So what is amazing to me is that it wasn't long at all after the first successful flight that so many other pilots were coming out of the 
woodwork. So the Fédération Aeronautique Internationale, a.k.a. the FAI, or in English, the World Air Sports Federation, is the world governing body for air sports. It was only founded in 1905, which we later find out is the school Bessie ended up going to. So that high-quality school was only created two years after the first successful air flight, and that doesn't really give a lot of wiggle room for trial and error before more people risk their lives on machinery being up in the air and just going for it, you know? I think... I think I, that would that's make me nervous. a good nervous. point. That would make me nervous to be... Like, oh, this new thing that's up in the air, and if it falls, like, you're done. It's only two years old, and now mm-hmm. you're now you're in the sky. But you're gonna go for it. Like, that is... That takes some serious guts. That's... Yeah, this is all the rage. It may kill you, but... Yeah, exactly. You know, we've got a school for this now. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, how do they have a school already? I, can't, I don't understand, but... Obviously, it worked because Bessie learned so much from it. Oh, absolutely. And we had a burst of pilots that, you know, that came onto the scene uh, right as this technology was invented. More people were trying more with airplanes, pushing them, seeing how far they could go, how fast they could go, how high they could go. And I'm like, you guys are daredevils. (laughs) I don't think, I mean... I, I like my roller coasters, but I am not that level of daredevil. Like, that is that is exceeding my level. And I, I props to them, because that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Some context for me. I don't buy a brand new car the first year right. a make and model is released. Totally. Because there's bugs and it could be a lemon. So, like, usually it's the second or third year of a brand new line that I will consider even liking Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Or it's like, we got this new phone. I mean, yes, know? a car could be as dangerous as an airplane, but it's not. Right. I think an airplane is much more right. dangerous. <laughs> I go so far as like new cameras or new just equipment in general. Yep, just wait a little bit, right? Just I'm just going to wait. Yeah, I'm just going to wait it out and see what happens. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't be one of those first flyers. <laughs> nope. Nope. So when Bessie met Robert S. Abbott, an editor and publisher of the Chicago Weekly Defender newspaper, she talked to him about her dream of becoming a pilot and the fact that schools were rejecting her based on her race and her gender. But France wasn't. On his advice, Bessie learned French and took up a second job at a chili parlor to save money. Robert S. Abbott and a successful African-American banker named Jesse Binga both helped Bessie back her trip. She sailed to France for the most famous flight school on November 20th, 1920. She trained for seven months, learning tailspins, banking, and loop-de-loop. It was not easy, and it was extremely dangerous. On June 15, 1921, Bessie became the first woman of African-American and Native American descent to earn an aviation license from the FAI. So with access to planes and amazing teachers, Bessie stayed in Paris and took two more months of lessons to hone her skills. When she returned home, she was a media sensation in the African-American newspapers. She didn't get much press in the mainstream white-owned papers, but she was an Aerial Age Weekly, and the paper said, quote, Miss Coleman, who is having a special Newport 
plane built for her in France said yesterday that she intended to make flights in this country as an inspiration for people of her race to take up aviation, end quote. Now, I think that is wonderful. Not only did she finish school, get her license, set her set up to the standard of being an inspiration, but mostly it's the idea that she came back to America. I find it so wonderfully fascinating. I'm so deeply grateful that she came back. I'm really grateful, too. And I think it's very interesting that, like, maybe not interesting, but um, America didn't accept Bessie to come to their schools. But as soon as she went to France and then learned all of her aviation skills and, oh, no, she's actually a good pilot. Now that she's back, they're like, oh, okay, we'll accept you. You can come back now and, you know, we'll claim you as the first of African-American of Native American descent female pilot like we're that in america yeah that's the title we want like we're gonna claim that really okay Uh this is america now (laughs) this is this is america i'm just so happy like i don't know if i would have come back does that make sense right like working so hard to even uh to learn the skills and to be accepted and to see a community that does you know have forward thinking ideas and want to teach you know women and women of color especially um a new skill that is on the brink (laughs) of changing the world it's like i might have stayed in france Yeah, I I would consider it too. France sounds pretty cool right now. And she learned French. I mean, what's she got to lose? You know? Right. But she had family. <laughs> my guess is she had family here. And I think she was a patriot. I mean, as we keep going, Absolutely. we it is something that keeps popping up. I think she really was a patriot and wanted uh, to help out here and inspire more right. people to take up aviation in America, which is very cool and Absolutely. very noble. Absolutely. I think it's important to note some history that happened around her in regarding this so that we can understand more maybe why she did what she did. In 1919, there was a Chicago race riot. So an African-American youth on a homemade raft drifted on Lake Michigan used by whites. So he fell into the water and after being stoned by the lights, he actually drowned. So that same night, Chicago was in chaos, with blacks and whites fighting in the streets and guns and knives, and it carried into the next day, and then gangs of whites drug blacks off to streetcars and and beat them. It just kept going on and on and on. It took four days and the National Guard to restore order to Chicago. And although Bessie Coleman and her family were unscathed, around her there were 38 dead, 537 injured, and over a 1,000 people homeless because of this event. Yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah, that would impact me drastically. And I think it impacted her, too. Absolutely. So Bessie, having this burning desire to do something, she went to flight school in 1920. Um, She came back to the United States with this desire to empower young African Americans like herself to become aviators and pioneers for change, both in the North and the South, and Um, the United States. So Bessie moved back to the United States, and in 1921, the Tulsa race riot happened. So this was actually the first time pilots were actually used to attack an American community. The general public now had a different view of aviation because during the riots, they actually used bomber pilots and they dropped bombs. Right. They were Um, using planes in a new, terrible way. Yeah, exactly. 
So some African Americans wanted to encourage aviation just in case there was another worse riot because so that they have some sort of defense. Um, others wanted to pursue aviation to kind of prove that they were intelligent enough to do it because whites still didn't think that blacks were intelligent enough. Which is terrible. To do yeah. XYZ. It's horrible. Bessie Coleman lived in the middle of all of this. And what inspires me so much about her is just the fact that instead of wishing that somebody would just do something, mm -hmm. she decided to just do something herself. Um, she had big dreams to come back and start a school to teach young African-American youth um, aviation to inspire them to accomplish great things and to, to inspire them that they can accomplish amazing things regardless of the pre prejudices charged against them absolutely i think it's just incredible total role model 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. she had this passion and desire to affect people outside of herself her life was not for herself her life was this is what i want to do this is how i know i can change the world so now let me go teach others how to do this because mm -hmm. they need the inspiration or I'm, i want to give it to them i want she like empowered herself and put that on herself that i'm going to do this i think that's amazing oh totally amazing a, a lot on her shoulders but at the same time for just and and valid and important reasons and that would keep her Absolutely. going i mean that would give her a cause right. bigger than herself and i loved it right so bessie came back to the united states and she did a few creative things in order to make money doing what she was good at with aviation she did quite a few aerial shows, showing off her tricks and flips and, you know, backflips to the crowds and people all over the United States. It was usually, like, the northern parts at first. Mm -hmm. um, but she, she actually refused to perform in front of a crowd that was segregated. Or, in other words, every crowd had both blacks and whites present every time. Very cool. Um, Yeah. After each performance, she offered short flights to anybody for a price, sometimes as much as $5, or in today's economy is approximately $60. Um, but by doing this, Bessie was actually giving a taste of aviation to the community around her and inspiring others to also fly while raising money to help pursue her further dreams. So, Bessie would also go around the United States barnstorming, which basically means she went on tour to barns, churches, houses, anybody who would listen, basically, and showed short films of her plane tricks and then talked about what she did. And then she did all of this to raise money for her flight school that she wanted to build. Absolutely. And one cool thing that she did is, uh, actually one cool thing, she did many cool things. Uh, she also made a deal with the Los Angeles company Coast Tire and Rubber to distribute advertising from the air in exchange to get her very own plane. Unfortunately, in 1923, shortly after getting her plane, the engine stalled moments after takeoff of an air show with 10,000 people in attendance. She nosedived from 300 feet, but survived. She had several broken bones, though, however. But determined to come back to the air, she did need some time to heal. She spent three months in a hospital and then recovery time in Los Angeles in the home of Miss S.E. Jones. Still healing, she hosted lectures and she showed those film reels of her flying. And her thoughts were really fixed on this idea of a black flying school. She wanted to spread aviation fever and she wanted to encourage African-Americans to fly 
to serve their country. She also told her ideas of a flying school to anyone that would listen. Now, in September of 1923, she was flying again. She did flying stunts and she did speaking engagements to raise money and awareness of the school and knowing that it would take a big investor to truly make it a reality. Bessie, however, was a role model and boosted black pride. She was getting more and more press as brave Bessie. She was getting press in white and black press as well. Now, against the advice of her promoter, David Beckney, she started doing shows and lectures in the South. Now, Beckney was worried about racial tensions, and racial tensions were high, but Bessie excited audiences as either an inspiration or a curiosity. And Bessie was determined uh, to undermine the Uncle Tom image and she refused to participate and promote in any derogatory images of black people and phoebe you actually found some really wonderful film connections with bessie yes i did actually um it was announced that she agreed to star in a film entitled shadow and sunshine it was to be produced by an african-american owned film company I imagine she had this idea to reach out or agree to the film from the way that she had her own film reels and how that they impacted her audience at the barnstormings. Um, she had gladly accepted the role, hoping it would help advance her career and provide her with the money to establish her flying school. But when she learned that the first scene required her to wear tattered clothes with a walking stick and a pack on her back, she refused to move forward with participating in the film because it played up with the stereotypes of blacks instead of empowering them. And it said that she was one to take leaps and bounds and opportunities for her career and what she wanted in life, but she was not willing to use her race as a crutch or degrade her race in any way, shape, or form. And this film like embodied the opposite of what she wanted to do, and she stood by her feelings very firmly. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Also, on February 3rd, 1926, Bessie Coleman wrote to the film producer R.E. Norman at Norman Studios and requested that her life actually be put, be put into a film called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. She wanted to tell the story not just of her legacy, but those who came before her and then those who became who came after her. Because she understood just how important her story would be to so many people. The film studio was interested, but sadly did not, she did not live to see her film be made. Although there have been a few attempts to date, there still has been no film made or produced about this amazing woman and pioneer. I sincerely hope that someday, maybe we can change that. That would be really cool. Yeah. We already started kind of geeking out about the idea. <laughs> we did. Dun, like dun, as dun, filmmakers dun. as filmmakers were like, but but what if? What if? I know. You know, I just the possibility Bessie's story totally deserves to be told in a movie. She it really, does. really does. And she she really excites me, I think. Oh, it just makes me so excited to even think about it. It's so cool. I know. Absolutely. Well, in the spring of 1926, things were really looking up for Bessie. She got a sponsorship from the Negro Welfare League for air shows and for lectures. She also opened a beauty shop in Orlando, Florida, with the help and advice of Reverend Ezekiel Keith Hill and his wife, Viola Tilling Hasthill. Hill was a pastor of the Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Institutional Church and very 
much respected in the community. Bessie was on her way to a new plane of her own and having enough money to open her school. So she sent William D. Wills and a newly acquired mechanic, publicity manager, and co-pilot to pick up her new plane from Love Field in Dallas and fly it to Jacksonville. Major engine problems plagued the journey, but the plane and Wills made it to Jacksonville. So for the show in Paxton Airfield, Bessie was going to parachute out of the plane. So she and Wills were going up to test the plane, and Bessie was going to look for a good spot for her jump. She did not put on her seatbelts so she could see over the cockpit sill. Ten minutes into the flight, disaster happened. The plane went into a nosedive at 3,000 feet before flipping over. Bessie was ejected from the plane and fell to her death. Wills, who was wearing a seatbelt, fell in the plane and died on impact. It was discovered later that a loose wrench jammed the controls of the plane. Bessie died April 30th, 1926, at the age of 34. She had two memorial services in Jacksonville and was buried in Chicago Lincoln Cemetery. Her casket was draped with the American flag. Her pallbearers were six 8th Infantry African-American Veterans. Ida B. Wells, a wonderful speaker and activist for equal rights, was the mistress of ceremonies. Her various memorials were attended by absolute thousands. She was only 34. I just think it's amazing that she was only 34 and she was memorialized by thousands of people. Literally thousands. Um, Yeah. And she's one of our first gals now that died so young and yet had so much impact on the world i thought that was an interesting thing yeah oh absolutely because the first ladies that we cover were well into their 80s um and and kind of saw time and their industry almost try to pass them by sort of thing a couple of times Uh, and with bessie she didn't live to see everything that she wanted to accomplish she her her hopes and dreams were bigger than her own life which right is very inspiring and sad, but more inspiring at this point because her dreams were oh, so yeah. broad. Far more inspiring than sad. Right. Um, I can't help but think of what she could have co- accomplished with more time, honestly. Right. Even just a few more years. My goodness. Just in a few more years, the world of aviation was changing. Yeah, she had that, but she had that crash. And three months later, she was back at it. And then she died mm-hmm. like three years later it was like wow she used her she used her time like she did not she didn't sit around wasting time she used every minute she had which is she was a go-getter absolutely i mean just looking at all the flight shows that she did it was one after another and if she wasn't doing a flight show she was doing a speaking engagement right girl was busy it was great yeah absolutely (laughs) so phoebe so a gal who fought for her time in the skies what legacy do you think she wanted to leave behind? I think she wanted to leave behind hope and courage. Bessie Coleman is a woman of truth, strength, and determination. When her own country denied her of learning what she wanted, she learned a new language, moved to a new country, and then learned that way. She just pursued it, and she figured it out. There was nothing that was going to stop her. And to me, that is incredibly inspiring. I think she wanted that to determination to rub off on young African Americans like herself and she wanted to see her race specifically thrive and flourish and she knew the capacity of what she could do so therefore she believed strongly in her own race and she knew exactly what her peers could do 
Yeah, absolutely. I think she not only wanted to inspire African-Americans to dream of aviation, but also be able to learn how to make any dream a reality. I mean, her flying school was so important to her. And when I learned that in 1929, it did in fact become a reality, uh, Lieutenant William J. Powell established the Bessie Coleman Aereo Club in Los Angeles in 1929. Later, Powell wrote in the book, Black Wings, a book dedicated to Bessie. He said, quote, We have overcome that which is worse than racial barriers. We have overcome the barriers within ourselves and dared to dream. That was so freaking powerful. Yeah, Yeah, I I think I started crying when I first read that and realized how important that was. I mean, Bessie was a trailblazer. She put a positive face on the American dream. And she did it in a way that others could then see themselves accomplishing their dreams as well. I feel it's ironic for her to show the American dream and yet had to go to France to accomplish it. Mm -hmm. But she really, truly did give the people of all races hope and a roadmap. I mean, she really inspired people. Now, uh, three people, actually, she specifically inspired uh, were Josephine Baker, Paul McCulley, and Mae Jemison. So Josephine Baker, she was a world-famous entertainer. Josephine and Bessie were actually friends, and it was Bessie who inspired Josephine to get her pilot's license from the same school she went to in France. In World War II, Josephine joined the French Air Force, where she became a second lieutenant as a propaganda officer. And Paul McCulley was a young white man who was also inspired by Bessie. Paul became the national governor of the OX-5 Pioneer. Now, the other is Maya Jemsen. She was the first African-American woman in space. Maya Jemsen was inspired by Bessie. And in fact, she took a picture of Bessie into orbit, being the first African woman into space and having a picture of Bessie as the first African-American pilot. Isn't that beautiful? I did not know that. That is the coolest thing ever. Wow. That it is, is so really cool. cool. So Bessie made it to space, in my view. <laughs> right. She totally did. Oh, my gosh. She totally She would have you know, loved that. You know she would have been gone going to space. You know it. Oh, man. Absolutely. She would have been so proud. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to so also cool. have gone into space. Isn't that neat? Uh, so now I, I also do have to wonder, because uh, my, my brain kind of goes this way, I also wonder what influence Bessie might have had on Amelia Earhart. Right. Um, Amelia Earhart, many of us uh, grow up with knowing about her. Now, um, really briefly about Amelia Earhart, because we probably will cover her on the show one of these days. Um, Amelia started flying in 1921, a year after Bessie started flying. However, Amelia didn't have to go to France for lessons. She learned to fly where she was living at the time, which was Long Beach, California. Amelia got her pilot's license from the same place that Bessie did, from the FAI in France in 1923, which was three years after Bessie. Now, during the years when Bessie was doing her stunt shows and lecturing and generally making money with flying, Amelia didn't see money in flying, and she worked as a teacher and then as a social worker. It wasn't until 1927, a year after Bessie's death, that Amelia became a sales rep for Ken aircraft and became a local celebrity for aviation. Now, 
Lindbergh's famous cross-Atlantic flight happened the same year, and Amelia was picked up to be the first woman to do the same. So this cross-Atlantic flight was actually with pilot Wilmer Stunts and a co-pilot and mechanic Lewis Gordon. That's what put her on the map. Although Amelia even said at the press, uh, to the press at their landing in England, Stutz did all the flying, had to. I was just like baggage, like a sack of potatoes. She added later, maybe one day I'll try it alone. And she did in 1932. So between this time, though, she was labeled as Lady Lindy and the female version of Charles Lindbergh. And I don't see any comparisons to Bessie Coleman. Although what I do see is that Amelia also had a large amount of lecturing and Amelia was able to gather sponsorships and endorsement deals. Um, These sort of things were not available to Bessie. I can only imagine pointing to race as a huge figure of that. Uh, Now, I want to believe that Amelia, at the very least, was knowledgeable about Bessie. And in my heart, I hope that Bessie inspired her because she inspires me. Absolutely. Me too. So, Phoebe, what did you learn from Bessie? Well, I learned that to accomplish global change and to tackle big issues like race and sex prejudices, you truly don't need to use hate or anger to do it. Um, Bessie inspires me because she wasn't handed all of her accomplishments. She actually had to work for it, and she could have easily just felt bad for herself and not accomplish anything, not accomplish her dreams. But instead, she searched and planned and figured out just exactly how to accomplish what she wanted, and she and then just went for it. Honestly, if she can accomplish her hopes and her dreams with that much elegance and grace... I feel like there's hope for us, too. I mean, Bessie is literally everything I want to be when it comes to following your own dreams. And she's such a huge inspiration. She's going to stick with us for a long time. She really is. And I was thinking about my reaction to the prejudices against her and then her reactions to the prejudices against her. And even my and I'm not like a hateful person. But even my reactions were more negative than her actions were. I was like... Right. She held herself to a different standard. She did. And it's very impressive. I was like, wow, you actually did something. Like, she she did something about it instead of complaining. Or she tried to actually promote positive waves into the world instead of negative waves. And that is just... Mm -hmm. That's not easy to do. And she let herself be the example of that, which is also not easy to do. Exactly. She had to walk the walk and talk the talk. Not easy. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) What I learned from Bessie, and actually also from reading Hidden Figures by Margot Lee Shatterley, that in the 1920s, of America, there was this amazing community of African Americans who were painstakingly working physically and mentally to participate in the American dream. I read about African American schools and churches and newspapers and business owners who empowered the best and the brightest among them to reach for the stars and to serve their country. W.E.B. Du Bois was a big proponent of popularizing the term the talented 10th. The talented 10th phrase incorporated the belief that one in 10 black men would become leaders and that through education, they would affect social change and inspire the next talented 10th. Bessie, though, even though she wasn't male, was totally one of the talented 10th. I would also say that Dorothy Vaughn of Hidden Figures was also another one of the talented 10th. Absolutely. 
I learned from from both of them what fearlessness really is. Bessie didn't take the lack of a flight school and acceptance in the United States let her down. She found a way. Uh, She set herself on a path to be more daring in the air and on the ground and to simply not take no for an answer, to, to work hard, to tell your story, and to live your life on the edge, doing things that few else can do so that it is going to be so hard for anyone to ignore you. I related to her being told that the air wasn't a place for her because she was black and because she was a woman. But she did anyway, and she held herself and her character to be such a high standard. She wanted to be and is a role model for all, and I wish I would have learned about her in school. I really do. I think it would have changed me. Oh, yeah. She would have given me so much more hope. Wow. And determination. Right. I feel like my mindset would be so much different now if I actually learned about Bessie in school. Because you don't right. learn about people like this in school. At least I didn't. Right. You don't learn about, especially somebody who like Bessie, who wanted to learn something. I mean, right. you're you're kind of trapped in school, right? Yeah. You don't, <laughs> There's like, long I days. You're learning, you... learning, learning. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But when you teach in school that there was somebody who wanted to learn something specific like flying and they weren't allowed to learn about it, it almost makes you value your education possibilities more. Absolutely. At least I have the opportunity, like if I want to learn about game design, I have an opportunity to learn about game design. Right. Bessie didn't even have an opportunity to learn about what she loved in this country. Right. So you, you value your education more. Uh, learning about Bessie, I think. <laughs> I agree completely. I agree completely. Do you have any final thoughts about Bessie before we wrap it up? I just related a lot with Bessie this week. I thought this week went really fast with her, and I was worried yeah. it was because I wasn't like doing enough. But I just thought that I connected her with her really quickly. Like as soon as I read her story, it was an instant connection. I was like, "Wow, I can get behind this gal. Like she is." This is my kind of people right here, you know? Right. I can learn from her. I can take this nugget of wisdom and make my life better from her. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Well, that wraps it up for us. Thank you for listening to Your Gal Friday. You can find out even more about Bessie Coleman and the upcoming gals we're going to be covering at galsguide.org. If you like the show and find value in the gals that we cover, please subscribe, share, and visit our Patreon page. Links to everything are at galsguide.org. Look for the podcast tab. And we will leave you with this quote from Bessie. The air is the only place free from prejudice. For more information about this week's gal or to check out our previous episodes, visit galsguide.org. To support the show, visit the Gals Guide Patreon page. We've got great perks like behind the scenes, early access, and private live streams. Thank you so much for subscribing to Your Gal Friday. 